the get up, get out, and do something virtual voter rally was designed to encourage people to vote in the 2020 general election. We have seen the statistics of voter turnout from past elections, and we also have heard about the unjust obstacles being created to discourage and prevent underrepresented communities and populations from voting. Even with the aforementioned, we know and still believe in the power of the vote. And that's why it is imperative that we unite and encourage everyone to march to the polls. It is no longer just our right, it is now our obligation. Join us as we are joined by our guests to get up, get out, and do something during this virtual voter rally, which originally aired on October 24th, 2020. How y'all brothers doing? We, hey man, we, we try to make it one day at a time, brother. <laughs> one day at a time, man. That sounds are, good, man. We are just so happy and excited um, to have you here. Um, as you know, you and I have had a series of, of conversations via social media pretty much for the last eight months since the pandemic popped off and all of the, the right. civil unrest over the summer and, and all of the various emotions that um, we are feeling as a Black community um, where we are attacking each other for our own religious and, and political beliefs. But you know, we felt a need on the show at, at the GRG podcast with ROJ and Kev to really figure out how we can try to make an, uh, make an attempt to break down these barriers and really come to the conversation with some true biblical principles as it relates to voting, some uh, true guidance as it relates to how you go about selecting a candidate, and also what we need to do as a community um, to really impact social justice and all that's going on. And so right. my first question to you, uh, Brother Anderson, is in this current political climate, when one says that, uh, you know, Christians are telling, Christians believe that we should vote for uh, the current administration on the, in the election on November the 3rd, what do you have to say about that kind of perception that you know it's the evangelical white wing of the right wing right wing of the party that supports 45 and uh, black evangelicals are just following along like sheep well uh again thank you for allowing me to be on here uh especially on this day as you we kind of tackle this idea and get the people out to vote and really try to encourage people to get there. When people make statements like that, and I released the PSA earlier this week, uh, dealing with that to remind people that, uh, that, that because white evangelicals tend to lean on the side and say that, that it's all about salvation. It's all about salvation. And they don't read Jesus, they read Paul. They, they don't look at what the Lord has to say. They look at what his apostle had to say. So they don't go to the head. They go to the body. They assume that that's where the story is. That's where the truth is. And they live on Romans chapter uh, 13, where Paul begins to deal with this idea about obeying the powers that be. And... This idea that you have to vote, because the argument is this, 
if you don't vote for Trump, you're going to hell. That's the argument. If you don't vote for the political party of the Republicans, then you don't know God because God is with us. Well, there's a there's an issue with that for those of us that that like actually study the scripture. Those of us that actually read the Bible, those of us that that literally our livelihood isn't a what I had to tell one person who said that this is a hobby for them. Your hobby should be knitting and sewing. This ain't a hobby for me. This is, I mean, I write my books. I put together the sermons. I, I, I live by what I read and what I study. And me trying to understand this, there's no evidence that God has ever been on the side of some political party. So for them to make the statement that God is on their side, because this is how they're saying it. You know, they didn't, they don't quite say that you just need to vote for Trump, that you need to vote for the one that God has put in place. Well, some of us remember that God had Pharaoh in place and hardened Pharaoh's heart. Some of us remember reading where uh, Nebuchadnezzar was used by God as a destructive agent in order to get the attention of God's people who had continued to go in the opposite direction. You constantly see oppression after oppression after oppression under individuals who use religious language, but they don't really have a relationship. And, and so it's, it's, it's almost comical for me to listen to people make these kind of statements. And when you begin to engage, they don't go to church. They watch some stuff on TV when the churches were open. Um, they don't understand that this is so much bigger than Democrat or Republican. Democrat or Republican, okay, both of them uh, engage in deportation and separation at the border. Nobody wants to talk about that. They want to act like it's only one side. Both of them did that. One has done it to the extreme where now you got 500 and some 545 children that don't know where their parents are. And now you've created orphans but the Bible clearly states that you ought to take care of the widows and the orphans, not make orphans and make people widows. And this administration has specialized in that. There's one of the things that Walter Wink argues in his book, The Powers That Be, is that evil isn't just spiritual. Evil is also structural. Evil is very structural. And the problem is, while we are trying to so-called engage in spiritual warfare, we're not engaged in structural warfare. We're not trying to address the system because we benefit from it. I had a conversation with a white gentleman a few days ago, and he asked me a question that he really didn't want the answer to. He said, how can we end racism in America? It's so evil, it's, it's so hateful, you know, I, 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 I don't like it. I said, here's how you can end it. I said, black folks ain't got nothing to do with it. I said, black folks are the victims of what you were talking about. The victims can't end it. The oppressors have to end it. And I said, here's what you got to do. That's good. And I said, here's what you're not going to do. I said, if you want to end racism in America, you're gonna have to be willing to live your life, excuse my language, I've watched y'all show, you're gonna have to be willing to live like a nigga. 
you're going to have to be willing to give it up. Give up your name, give up your title, give up your reputation. Give You got to be willing to lose if you want me to gain. I said, in reality is, you ain't going to do that. You, you know, you simply ain't going to give up what you got to help me. You're going to tell me you need to pull yourself up like I did. Really. You pulled yourself up out of where? How did you get into the place and the position you're in? If we go into a place, and I told him, I said, man, if we go into a place, when people see you, they're going to see white. They're not going to see Italian. When they see me, I can't say I'm Italian. Even though I have an Irish name, even though I have Irish in my blood, in America, I'm not Irish. I'm black. So, this idea of voting in the biblical scripture, you're not going to find one that says you ought to vote for Trump. It says you ought to vote for justice. That if you're going to vote, if you're in a position to select somebody, you must select a person that lines up with God. And this administration does not do that. There were portions of the, of the Obama administration that did not line up with the word of God. So it's not like one size, one side is perfect. All, all sides, the libertarians, the Democrats and the Republicans, everybody got something that they need to work on. It's just that the majority of the Republican, 84% of the white evangelicals that voted for him, they're good church members. <laughs> they're great at being church members. They're not in the kingdom of God. And, 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 and I will argue that until the day I die. They don't know God. They need to be evangelized. They need to come into a saving grace of Jesus Christ, just like they say everybody else ought to. They need to go back and discover whether they know God or not. Because if you know God and you say that you live by these morals, right, how is it possible that you can have a candidate who pays off a porn star, who cheats on his wife, who uh, has gone through several divorces, who has uh, bankrupted I don't know how many times, who has been sued because he's taken advantage of so many people. I mean, everything that you can think of that if, uh, as President Obama said the other day, if Beijing Barry had done it, <laughs> we'll be having a different conversation. But this is not based on his politics. This is based on his skin color. This is based on his ideology. And so this idea of voting, you got to vote. I, I, I absolutely believe in voting. I also believe that you got to run for office. You can just sit back and just keep complaining about the people that's going up. If you complain so much, why don't you throw your name in the hat? Put your stuff out there. Let's see what happens. But you got to be involved because if you're not involved, that means that I believe you're out of the will of God. God didn't create us to stand back. God created us, according to Genesis uh, chapter one, God created us to have dominion. You can't have dominion if you keep hanging back. Whew. Brother Jay. <laughs> <laughs> That, and that was just the introduction. Yeah, that was the, that was the first question, brother Jay. Hey, Fred came out blazing. Yeah, sure did, sure did. And so, can 
for people who are trying to figure out where, how does social justice and the church, how do they marry? They, there is no division. One of the problems is, and when I arrived in Birmingham, because uh, I came back, I left Birmingham at the age of 26, came back to Birmingham literally almost 20 years later, living in the DC metro area, living in Tallahassee, Florida, working as a supervisory chaplain with the Federal Bureau of Prisons, with the uh, United States Department of Justice. So I've done much. I literally vanished off the scene at George Mason. I was coming into accepting my call and I literally, Kevin can tell you, I literally cut everybody off. I was like, I don't want to deal with nobody yeah. because I was not hearing clear. I needed to have guidance. I lost some brothers along the way. Some still won't speak to me. It's fine. But what I discovered is that when you are trying to hear, you can't listen to everybody's voice. Uh. That's what has happened in many of our churches is that outside voices have crept in. Outside voices have crept in and told us what the text says instead of us from our own experience, our zits in labor and our setting in life, our ability to be able to read the text out of our own context will inform us on what this text is saying. It's not always rooted just in a historical critical reality is rooted in a right now reality dealing with individuals that we have to deal with. So the question is, how do you marry the two? You don't marry them because they already married. From Genesis to Revelation, social justice is the number one focus. Why? Because the Bible was written by people and during and in times of absolute oppression. When you read it, the people who were going through had to try to understand how is God uh, operating in this context. And so no matter what passage you take, there is a, a, a problem. For example, uh, two Sundays ago, the Sunday school lesson was the Good Samaritan. Everybody know it, right? It's one of the most famous stories in the Bible. This idea, this man that was traveling to Jericho, using the Jericho world, leaving Jerusalem. He's jumped by some thieves. He's beat up. He's left for dead. They stripped him of his clothes. He's just there. Two people go by and look at him, the priest and the Levite. But there's a Samaritan who stops, takes him, bandages him, begins to bring him back to good health. One piece. Now, we all know that, right? All of us know that. Here's a question. Why is it that no one talks about how did the bandits get to the place they are in that they now find it justifiable that they can jump somebody, they can rob them, they can beat them and leave them for dead? Nobody deals with the bandits. They only beat up the priest and the Levite and command the Samaritan. But in the midst of all of that, you have a group of people who are living on the fringes of society and they feel the only way that they can survive is by robbing someone and leaving them half dead. Nobody deals with that, but that's a major piece. 
And unless you have gone through that, being the bandit, being in the position where you had to rob somebody in order to feed your family, you never noticed the bandits except that they did this. Social justice is embedded in every fabric of the Bible. It's embedded in every fabric. So when we don't engage in justice, we are essentially going against the will of God. James Cone in his book, God of the Oppressed, actually argues that God is on the side of the oppressed. Even when you take a look at his book, The Cross and the Lynching Tree, and he's making these comparisons between the crucifixion of Jesus and the lynching of black bodies in America, that they are synonymous. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you take a look at uh, uh, some of some, you know, I, I got a whole list of books on myself. Here, when you begin to take a look at some of the writings that are coming from some of the black biblical scholars and some of the black uh, theologians, they go against your John MacArthur's, they go against your Charles Stanley's, they go against, you know, your white evangelical, everything is always good, just die and go to heaven type of writing. Mm -hmm. No, everything ain't good, you know. When it came on, said, how y'all been doing? Said, man, we just trying to make it day by day. Every black person got that story. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't never hear a white person say that. What they say is, I'm living the life. Think about you in corporate America. Living I'm living the dream. The dream. Yeah, I'm living, living the dream. The dream. <laughs> what, what dream? Yeah. It's, not, it's, it's just like Malcolm said, man, this ain't a dream. It's a nightmare. Because now I got to be mindful, not just of my people probably hurting me. I got to worry about, here I am a taxpayer. Here I am a pastor. And I got to worry about, I had the cops stop last night to ask me, why was I coming out of the church? And I looked at him and I said, really? I said, I'm getting in my car and I'm going home. And if I get your name and your badge number, trust me, I'm going to have a press conference right here. Okay, you must be the pastor. I'm coming out of the church. Just, you just saw me turn the lights off. But you're going to ask me that ridiculous question. Why am I coming out of the church? Really? So this idea of religion and Bible and social justice, man, it's, it's absolutely embedded. And the thing about it is we as a people have been trained not to see it. You literally have to go through a deconstruction and then be reconstructed in order to see yourself in the text. Do, do you think that people that are non-believers have anything to gain by trying to really marriage, marry their political values and social justice values and their religion. Okay. When you say non-believer, you mean somebody that doesn't believe in Christ? In Christ, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I believe that everybody's a believer in something. Yeah. And I believe that people vote by their faith. Now, the question is, what do they have faith in? I believe that most people... Uh, have faith in a God. They believe in some higher being, some deity that can guide them, get them out of trouble, so on and so forth. But I believe that when people are voting, they're not voting on their faith in God. 
they're voting on their faith in the current system. See, if you are benefiting from the system, let's just take Brother 50 Cent. <laughs> 50 Pence. <laughs> let's, 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 let's take him. He said that he's voting for Donald Trump because 62% of his money will go to taxes. One, I don't know where he got that from because the numbers don't even line up. The most he'll pay from a corporate tax perspective is 38%. So where he gets 62 from, I don't know. But if you go by the name of 50 cent, that means you still half a dollar short. So you still short 50 cent for being a whole dollar. So he said he's voting not because of his faith in God, but his faith in Donald Trump's tax plan. So I believe that when people begin to line up their votes, they're, they're lining them up on several platforms. Some will say they're doing it because they believe in God. Well, they believe in God, but I don't know if they believe in the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible would not co-sign. Now, that's not to say that God did not send Donald Trump. I believe that God will send that which is evil in order for evil to be exposed so that righteousness can come to the forefront. There's evidence all throughout the biblical text dealing with that. But I don't believe that he's God's man as if God absolutely approves of him. And I'm not saying that God approves of Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that God approves of Joe Jurgensen. So when you take a look at the libertarian, take a look at Democrats, I'm not saying God approves of any of that because at every level, there's forms of oppression. And if God is, as James Cone said, God is the God of the oppressed who sides with the marginalized, then God cannot side with these individuals. But what has to happen is we have to hold elected officials accountable. God will give us the strength to do that, but we got to be the one that's willing to do it. Well, what do you say to those individuals? And, and you and I, and I asked the question because we've had this conversation before. What do you say to those individuals that uh, are, are black men here in America that um, don't necessarily want to vote for Trump, but they don't trust Joe Biden because of the 94 crime bill, et cetera? Well, what do here's you say the question. to that audience? Did they vote for the Congressional Black Caucus member that actually signed the bill? See, don't, don't, don't come half cock because a lot of them come half cock and claim, well, he did this in 1994. Yeah, but so did, uh, uh, what y'all call her? Un, un, un Maxine? <laughs> Auntie Maxine? Maxine signed that. Maxine Water signed it, but y'all ain't saying nothing about her. You're not saying anything about John Lewis who signed it. Good trouble. I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the problem is we're not being honest. And when black men say that they don't trust Joe Biden, well, guess what? Joe Biden don't trust you. I mean, that's the bottom line. We have not proven to them to their degree, to, to the degree that they want, that we can be trusted. 
even though we built this nation, even though we've been more loyal than anybody else, even though we're in a position of authority, we still did not use it for revengeful purposes. They still don't trust us. So it's on both sides. But if you don't want to vote for Joe Biden because of that, then why did you vote for the black person that think like the white person? Why did you vote? Because see, uh, one of the documentaries that I'm uh, that I think has finally come out is dealing with Franz Fanon. Franz Fanon was this uh, Algerian uh, psychiatrist who was part of the revolutionary to engage in getting the French out of Algiers to to get them out of Algeria, which is an African nation. The colonization took place, and here he is, and he writes. In his seminal work, Black Skin, White Mass, this idea, this idea that we got Black folk who are benefiting Tim Scott from the situations of suffering for the Black for Black folk, but they are benefiting perfect of uh, uh, financially, Candace Owens. They are benefiting when you start looking at it. They are absolutely benefiting from our oppression, and what they're doing is telling us. Y'all just need to calm down. Y'all just need to calm down. So everybody, and you know, we all know this, that every skin folk ain't kin folk. We, 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 we already know this. Yeah. But, but to say that I'm not going to vote, well, if you don't vote, then when you start complaining, I for one would tell you to shut up. You ain't got nothing to say. You didn't participate. You could have participated but you didn't. And the problem that I think we continue to have, we have too many people who are benefiting from our suffering that look like us that are using excuses as to why they won't do something. Just say, like 50 Cent, the reason why I made the statement on my Facebook page, I said, man, at, at least he was honest. At least he was honest. Ice Cube benefits financially from that tax plan. P. Diddy benefits financially from their tax plan. So don't try to act like you really trying to help black folk. You ain't said nothing. You ain't said nothing, Mr. Who's the Mac. You, you ain't said nothing. You ain't, you ain't opened your mouth the entire time you was making your albums about going to vote, about filling out the census. Why you ain't saying nothing about filling out the census, knowing that the census count is, is to technically is more important than your vote because the census count is going to put money back in those black communities. Why didn't you do a PSA for the census count, Mr. Ice Cube? Why you didn't do one for the census count, Mr. P. Diddy? The reason why is because right now you're not making movies, you're not making songs, you're not producing, you're irrelevant, and there's a new generation that's coming up, and you got to make yourself relevant. Let's just call it for what it is. You're faking. You're faking. You don't care. You want to pop your crystal, you want to you know, drink your 40 olds you want to, you know, be the gangster in black. You, you want to do all that because that's what got you to where you are. So don't come in here trying to tell those of us that are working this thing on a weekly and on a daily basis that we don't care for black folk because we don't want to support your black political party or we don't want to support your black plan for black folks. 
called the platinum plan. I was wondering where Donald Trump had even come up with. Man, this I'm idea. like, I, I thought they were giving out Mitchell and Ness jerseys with that. I boy, didn't know boy, what man. they were doing. I mean, so when I, <laughs> I thought now, a ludicrous I album was about to drop. <laughs> exactly. So now that I know it's platinum, it's tied to the music industry. So you use it what has been a mode of oppression in our community to justify a further mode of oppression using a political monster who has done nothing but said that my people and my ancestors come from shithole countries. You've made the statement that we are nobodies. You now have tried to handicap the HBCUs from where some of us graduate from. You tried to make it look like we are not grateful that you've done more than Abraham Lincoln has ever done. Abraham Lincoln ain't do nothing for us. Because you did mention I got a degree in history right from the George Mason University. Absolutely. Abraham, Abraham Lincoln ain't did nothing for us. Abraham Lincoln said in, in at least three letters that if I could keep the slaves and maintain the union, I would. Lincoln didn't, Lincoln didn't free the slaves. He gave emancipation to those who was living, who was living in states that did not have slavery. He didn't free the slaves. That's the reason why the Confederates still happen. That's the reason why these white folks are acting crazy, the Proud Boys and all of them, because according to them and historically reading it, they're absolutely right. Black folks are still in slavery and we don't want to acknowledge it. That's history. Go back and take a look at it. Go back, go back and look at it. I ain't making this up. The Emancipation Proclamation did not free the slaves. And so what what do we do going forward? You know, what 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 like what what are the what's the must the, the must do or the must have mm. on November the third? Because what I'm fearful of, there's not enough time to really cut through all the white noise. I think most voters have made their decision. Right. The folks that are, are sitting on the couch right now, they are dedicating themselves to sit on that couch. Um, what needs to happen? between now and November the 3rd as it pertains to, to our community and the, and the black men who are leading the community that uh, may not be sold on the, on the political process? Well, they got every right not to be sold on the political process. Let me come out and say that. They need to participate, but they got every right not to trust the process because I'm waiting to see how many states that allow for early voting so on and so forth how many ballots are they going to throw out? I'm, I'm waiting for it to come because it'll come like clockwork, just like every election season for a major election, there's always a national disease. Ebola, SARS, just go back and take a look. Every time there's a national election, there's some type of calamity that happens somewhere leading up to the election and people say, well, I'm not going to go vote because I don't want to get sick, so on and so forth. For those that are thinking about sitting out, because here's what got to happen. It's probably too late for them to register to vote. If you haven't registered to vote, you can't vote. If you try, you're going to go to prison. Average time, you're going to get six years. Don't do that. Instead, go by water. Go by water. People are going to be standing in long lines. People are going to be tired. People are going to be frustrated. If you got a band, if you play music, take your band out to an election site 
where people are voting and play music. I mean, find ways to participate if you can't vote. If you've already voted, now team up with somebody else because there's a lot of us that are going to be engaged in going to the polls trying to provide lunch. Because people are going to say, you know what, I'm hungry. You're going to have a lot of diabetics that's going to be in line. Guess what they're going to need? Maybe a candy bar as their blood sugar drops. So, so, so there has to be not just his idea, just go vote. Yeah, you, you, you got to vote. But how do you help maintain the people and keep them there, encouraged for them to vote? And there's nothing that says that you can't play music or have entertainment at the election place. There's nothing that's it. Outside, you can have your music going. You can you can have a band. You can you can have snatch. You can have a place for children to come play. I mean, you can really set it up so people would be able to participate. But for those who are contemplating sitting out, don't sit out. I mean, we 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 literally gotta beg people to go vote and vote in the right way. Don't just go vote and just say, I'm just going to sign, put my name here. If, if, like in the state of Alabama, every major judgeship for the state, the Republicans have no Democratic challenge. Not one. Not one. So the question becomes, What's the purpose of the Democratic Party if they ain't going to at least participate in this? And get in the game, yeah. <laughs> if, you want, yeah. <laughs> if you want to see change, or maybe some of them are being paid off silently, and we don't know. See, it's, it's, it's always some finagling things. For example, I came to consciousness of how this thing was nothing but a game uh, when I moved to the D.C. area. And, you know, y'all both know that you know, you in D.C., eventually you're going to have to go have meetings at the White House. You eventually have to go down to the Rayburn building. You're going to eventually make your way down. I mean, you can't live in that area and be of any professional nature and not have to go to Capitol Hill. So I was watching John Boehner when he was uh, still in office, who was once at one time Speaker of the House before the Republicans got rid of him and put uh, uh, Paul Ryan in his place. So John Boehner was arguing with Nancy Pelosi. They was, I mean, just doing this. I go to a restaurant on Capitol Hill later that evening. I walk in, they sitting there having drinks, just enjoying themselves together. Acting like they old best friends. I mean, and I'm watching this and I'm like, wait a minute, I thought they was, and it clicked. Here I am coming from Alabama. I'm naive. I'm, I'm like most folks in the nation who believe that everything that they see on TV coming from the, from the floor is absolutely true. They don't realize it's something called political theater. And I didn't realize that there was political theater to satisfy their basis so they can stay in office. And it hit me and I was like, I can't believe this. Okay, so I got to look at this thing from a totally different perspective at this point. And that's what I did. And I started paying closer attention. If people are sitting in the, at the house, they don't believe in the process, you want to know how to make the process work. 
Too short said, get in where you fit in, fool. <laughs> That's what you got to do. You got to get in. I grew up in a hip hop generation. For so sure, for sure. Hip hop music. <laughs> yeah. So you got to get in where you fit. Get in. Get in. If you don't get in, it's just like Lotto. You got to be in it to win, to win it. it. To win yes, it. You ain't going to win it if you don't play. Yeah. So for those of you that are discouraged, you are frustrated. You're irritated. Guess what? There's more than one political party. There's more than one political party. We got a frat brother out in California who's the director of communications for a Uhuru political party. They got their own candidate that they voted for. They, they vote for Democrats and Republicans and Libertarians. They vote for them. If you want, you can start a party. You can start your own party. But if you want to see a difference, if you want to see a change, you can't do it sitting on your couch. You can't do it laying on your sofa. You can't do it going in and cutting up your vegetables and cooking your greens and your black eyed peas. You're going to have to get involved. You're going to have to participate because if you don't participate, you have nothing to complain about. And so my question always Whenever people start complaining since 2016, I would say, hey, you voted? And when they said no, I say, we ain't got nothing to talk about. Because you didn't even participate. You can't complain. Well, I didn't like either one. Well, pick pick one. I ain't telling you to pick from the two, but there are other people who were running that you could have voted for. And that's what we got to do. We got to get them to participate, get them to take water. They may they may say, you know what, I don't want to vote, but man, I will donate water, I'll donate snacks. You know, I want to help, but I just can't vote for these two. I just can't put it in. Okay, well, we'll be glad to take your water. Guess what? That person becomes workable. That person becomes somebody that believes in something. Now it's about getting them to the place where we can all sit down and talk about coming up with a strategy so we can get them to participate in the process. We don't just discourage and discount people. But I tell people, you know, you ain't got nothing to complain about. Now, when you vote this next election, now we can sit down and talk about because you're in your 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 decision not to vote is the reason why we dealing with what we dealing with now. You helped to make this happen. You help to separate those children from their parents at the border. You help to uh, to have the California wildfires go on. And the president say, "I'm not going to give them any relief money." You because you didn't vote. Now, if you had voted and it didn't go your way, so be it. If we vote and our candidate don't get in, then we got to live with what we got, and we got to force the person that's in office to do what's right. That's what it comes down to. Brother Jay, any input? Man. That's heavy. That's heavy. And just recognizing that the work of social justice and the work of the church is one and the same. And until people realize that, um, there's going to be division until they realize that there's there's going to be these pick one side you can't pick both conversations and mm-hmm. and I and I I believe that until we get to that right the, the fight is is going to 
is going to get worse, right? The, the fire is going to get hotter, but we have to swing even harder to make sure that we are bending toward that that place of social justice and morality well let me say this the fight is going to be there the fight has always been there facts whenever the people who control the language because see this is what it comes down to and what one of the things i had to help some of the uh women and the men that were in prison understand is don't answer by the name inmate don't answer by name inmate yeah you might be an inmate but that's not your name your name is Tyree Anderson. So guess what? When you walk past an officer and they say, hey, inmate, you keep walking. That's not your name. But when they say, hey, Mr. Anderson, yes, sir. Now you turn around. Now you can engage them. And, 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 and when they get upset that you didn't respond to inmate, you can let them know, I'm going home one day. I'm not going to answer the inmate when I go home. This is me getting prepared to go home. One of the problems is that we have allowed those that are in power to control the religious language. We've allowed them. For example, when somebody says, do you have salvation? What's the first thing y'all think about? What's the first thing y'all think about? Going to heaven. Right, right. <laughs> Guess what? That ain't what that means. Yeah. <laughs> that ain't what that means. That don't mean going to heaven. Salvation is the synonym for liberation. It means to be free. It comes out of this idea of being saved. Saved ain't going to heaven. Saved is being rescued from the oppression that you are currently in. And so what has happened is that white evangelicals over the centuries have taken words and they've used it to their advantage. So social justice is now a bad word because John McArthur, with his uneducated, unprepared, racist self, made the statement that social justice is not in the Bible. Oh, it's not. So when Jesus is crucified for your sins, that's not social justice. If he died for your sins so that you might be saved, that's not social justice. No, that gives me salvation. From what? Sin, oppression. It's still oppression, no matter how you want to cut it. And so when Moses delivers the people of Egypt, of Israel from Egypt, from Egyptian bondage, when God says that I was the one that brought you out of the house of slavery, that's salvation. So there are many black pastors that still read and live by the commentaries of white evangelicals who never speak to their condition. Mm. And they believe that this is the best type of preaching. There are certain preachers, black preachers, I'm going to call their names, but if you have your eyes closed, you don't know if they black or white because they never talk about your situation. You can never figure it out. If you open your eye, you're like, wow. And he come from that side of town and he ain't even talking about this? See, social justice is not a genre in the Bible. You don't see the genre of social justice. Social justice happened when the Lord 
uh, kill when 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 God killed an animal in order to put skin on Adam and Eve because they were naked. That's social justice. So from the very beginning to the end of Revelation, <laughs> social justice is in every book, every fabric, every fiber of the written text. Whether you were using the sacred 66 of the Protestants or whether you were using the 66 plus the uh, apocrypha that the Catholics use. No matter how you want to look at it, give me a Bible story, I'll tell you where the social justice is. It's in there. And the reason why it hasn't been lifted up for those that have gone to uh, the, there's a museum in DC, a Bible museum, and they had on display the slave Bible. You know what they took out? Every liberation story and the Psalms. You know why? Because it would have given them the hope to act like Nat Turner. It would have given them the hope to interpret the Bible through their suffering as not the will of God and that they must stand up against oppression. And that's what Franz Fanon did. Franz Fanon argues that if you want to be free, it's going to take violence. And one of the most violent things that happens on Sunday morning is, is, is violence in the pulpit. Because you have individuals who are beating up and condemning their people for not being Eurocentric enough. And then you have black pastors and white pastors who are engaged in social justice, who are getting beat up by their congregation because they don't want to hear that. They want to hear that they blessed and highly favored. Nobody wants social justice. Nobody. And yet they say that they got it because they're going to heaven. Jesus was executed by the government. It was sanctioned by the church. But he was liberated by God. So whether it's the government, whether it's the church, the only saving grace is God himself or, if you don't mind, God herself. Because now you're talking about a whole nother level of ignorance because God describes God's self in Isaiah as a mother. So now there's this womanist aspect of God. There's this masculine aspect of God. And we don't like talking about it because to call it as it is, as the text says, means that we might get put out of church. Oh, we can't have that. We can't have that, Dr. Anderson. We no, can't have that not at, all. at all because uh, we need you in this fight on a daily basis. And, and, and Brother Jay, I'm, I'm even more inspired because though uh, we are on a 12-hour journey today, <laughs> we thought that was a good idea. Yeah, I'm praying. I'm praying for y'all. Well, we appreciate all the <laughs> prayers we can get, but we are, we are trying to cause good trouble in our own right and really provide information and insight to uh, our brothers and sisters that are really struggling during this time. And um, we, 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 would not, we would not continue to suffer in silence and we will spread the message about being involved in the process.